Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Younger Old Man Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. The calendar has changed. The one has changed to a two. Um, yeah, happy new year. Uh, did you make a list of goals, resolutions? You're going to get shredded this year. This is going to be the year you give up carbs. Uh, you're going to switch careers to just really get in touch with yourself, man. Um, wow, I'm copying Bill Burr word for word. I don't think word for word, but the attitude is the same. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, happy new year. I hope you guys had a good time. Did something fun. If not, uh, hope you enjoyed yourself hanging out, playing Scrabble with your significant other until 9 p.m. Um, you can laugh at that, but I've done that before, and that is fantastic. Um, anyway, on New Year's Eve, while everybody was sleeping in, getting ready to uh, go out on the town, uh, I did my hike that I mentioned last week. Uh, my hike on the Mid-State Trail, uh, it was from roughly uh, Route 322 to PA 26, which doesn't mean a whole lot for a lot of you. Um, basically, it, one major highway well, I don't know, pretty major highway, uh, to another sort of well-known route <laughs> at the top of a mountain, both at the tops of mountains. Um, anyway, uh, it was 24 miles, 24.6 to be exact. Uh, at least that's what my phone said. 24.6 miles, uh, in six hours and I think 56 minutes. Uh, so seven hours, we'll call it seven hours. Um, the goal was to do it. The goal was to see if I could do four miles an hour the whole way. Um, which was a pretty lofty goal, but it was, I, it was, it was like, this is what I'm shooting for. I'm not going to be surprised if this doesn't happen. Um, cause that's really booking it. Uh, so we'll see. I still would like to try that again sometime. Um, I think it's doable. Uh, I just, I just haven't been hiking enough to, I don't, I haven't really been in practice to hike that much. So I think if I had been, um, hiking a little bit more doing things like that, I might, I might actually be able to get there closer to four miles an hour. Um, but I think my pace ended up being something like 3.5, 3.6 miles an hour on average, something like that. So still, still decent. Um, I'm happy with that. Uh, I think four miles an hour is realistic in the future. Um, but just didn't happen on Friday. That's okay. We'll try again some other time. Um, I think the next major goal for me would be to do 30 miles in a day and then 40, uh, 30 I could feasibly do in the next couple months, few months. Um, but just based on daylight, I won't be able to hit 40 in a day until it gets much brighter until we're at least in spring. Um, I could hike in the dark. I don't like to hike in the dark. Uh, it's just not as safe. <laughs> if I'm going to hike in the dark, I'd like to hike with someone else. And I don't think I'm going to find someone who's going to hike uh, 40 miles in a day with me, including hiking in the dark. So we will leave that for brighter days, literally. Um, so it was it was a decent section of the trail. I think I'm now up to something like 60 miles of the Mid-State Trail being completed uh, out of 323, I believe, something like that. Uh, They mark it off in kilometers. I think I mentioned this last time when I talked about my backpacking trip. I don't understand why um, the 
people who created the trail are really proud of that. Again, don't really know why, but uh, yeah, every single time you come to a sign, you see something that says kilometers, and you're like, okay, well, let me put this back into uh, you know English for me. Um, but it, it was it's it's actually on the other side kind of cool because now you have a little math problem to do every single time you see a sign. Uh, you don't have to stand there and you, you don't get the time to just stand there and go, oh yeah, well there's nine miles. Uh, you just trick yourself into believing that it's like slightly less than it actually is because of the calculation in your head. Cause you just go, okay, well a 5k is like 3.2 miles. So a 10k is this. So in 13 kilometers, and then by the time you get to sort of the answer, you've kind of forgotten and you don't really care because, you know, like it, it doesn't really actually matter. Um, it was a very challenging hike, not going to lie. Uh, the rocks ate my feet alive. Um, the inclines, as I mentioned before on the Mid-State Trail, are you are either going up or you are going down. There are no switchbacks. Um, once in a blue moon, you'll get one, but you really don't get switchbacks. So you're going up or you're going down. Um, and there was one section that reminded me of a section of the Standing Stone Trail. It's just, you're going straight down and it's all rocks. And yeah, I I think that describes Pennsylvania hiking in general though. Um, I've heard people say that on the Appalachian Trail, out of the entire trail, Pennsylvania is the rockiest portion of the Appalachian Trail. Um, I don't know if that's true. I could just be hearing that because I grew up in Pennsylvania and that's like what people say that you hear around you. So who knows, but I do know it's very rocky. Um, what does that actually mean? Uh, the rocks are like medium sized rocks. If you're, if you're going over boulders, I mean, that requires effort. Um, but it's a different thing because now you're just in a boulder field, uh, and you're not going to fly through it or anything. It's going to take you some time, but like, it's, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Um, versus like smaller rocks are just kind of there. You don't really think about them, but the medium sized rocks that like you can't really just walk right on top of you still have to navigate a little bit but they're not so big that you're in a boulder field so you feel like you should be moving faster but you're gonna move slower um yeah over a period of time uh they got to my feet um and so I I think it was this trip that I again am greatly reconsidering whether I'm going to continue using minimalist barefoot shoes uh for hiking at least Um, I do some sort of minimalist shoe every day running. I do as well. I actually just got a new pair of minimalist running shoes. Uh, and I loved them. They're way better than the shoes that I was wearing on the hike. Um, but you know, there's, there's no way to know until you're actually hiking for at least 10 miles of whether the shoe is going to work out or not. The biggest problem with them is just the fact that there's no cushion, which is kind of the whole point, which is the beauty of it. But you get a sharp rock in the arch of your foot enough times and it starts to hurt. I mean, like there's, you know, you got a rubber sole and there's a little bit of cushion from the, from the insole, but like you're still getting a, you know, a pointy rock in the arch of your foot and it doesn't feel good. So again, I'm going to have to deal with the, the shoe debacle once again. Um, and, you know, you'll hear from 8 million people, oh, running barefoot or minimalist shoes are terrible for your body and you're going to die. Um, <laughs> uh, which is funny because I don't ever have back pain anymore ever since I switched to them. Anyway, that's my little rant about my minimalist shoes and uh, 
how how I may have to switch for for trails. At least in the Northeast, it was never a problem when I lived in Colorado or hiking in Colorado. It was great, uh, but there aren't really rocks in Colorado comparatively. Um, so so yeah, might be a change up in the footwear. But anyway, I think that was that was definitely something that after a certain point in time, the rocks themselves actually started to make me mad. Like I'd get to a section of rocks and I'd just start to get really mad and just start cursing and swearing and like gotta be kidding me doing this again uh but the funny thing with that is just like it really doesn't matter how rocky it is how steep it is um there were several sections um where i went on a very foggy day it had rained like off and on the entire week before i went um it was the first non-raining day but it was socked in with fog um like you couldn't see the scenery around you more than, I don't know, 100 yards. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think, yeah, like, if you're at the top of a mountain, you're not seeing that you're even really on a mountain. Like, I kept seeing signs that would say view pointing to, like, a little trail, and, you know, you whatever, you normally walk, like, 0.1 miles, and there's an outlook. You could never tell. There was no way. It was just fog. Um, so, in that sense, it was very wet as well, because you're just walking through a cloud, um, which is a beautiful, beautiful experience. And it's very strange because it's kind of eerie because you don't, there's no sound. The clouds block all the sound. You don't hear anything. It's just you, um, and the woods immediately around you. So you can hear the birds right around you, but like, you don't hear anything far off. It's, it's, it was really cool. But after a while it was, it was kind of strange. Like you can't see very far. You can't hear very much. Um, it's daylight, but it's so cloudy and the fog is, you know, you're walking through a cloud, um, that it's, it's like alters your perception of light and dark. Uh, so that was an interesting experience. Um, but anyway, what, what I was saying about, uh, I kind of went down that rabbit hole, um, about the, between the rocks and the inclines and all that. It doesn't really matter whether it's that or what I was saying is at a certain point, um, because it was so wet, sections of the trail were literally streams. I'm not exaggerating. It was, you're walking in a stream. It is a full on running stream that you could, uh, you know, there's little pools that are whatever, a foot deep. Um, so you have to walk on the sides, not a, not a huge deal, but anyway, it's, you know, additional, uh, obstacle, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but it, it doesn't really matter how wet, you know, walking through little streams, how sharp the rocks are, how you're just going straight up, straight down, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I was, I was getting mad at certain points because of it. Um, it, it just doesn't matter because you still have to get to the end. Um, (laughs) I drove my V my forerunner in the morning. Um, and my wife picked me up at the end. So you agree on a rough timetable And then as you get closer, you agree on a more uh, precise timetable. So it's just like, it doesn't actually matter how difficult the trail is. You decided you're going to do it in a certain amount of time. So you better move. (laughs) So it was just kind of like a, it was a really challenging but awesome thing to do. I I don't think I've had a challenge hiking quite like that in a long time. Um, Where I was like actually mad at how difficult it was. I haven't had that feeling in a long time. And for a while there, I was just mad and frustrated and like, oh, this, this is a pain in the ass. 
Um, but then I started to realize my pattern of saying that. And I noticed a couple different things. Um, I love when things are extremely challenging. And so then I started to realize, I'm like, oh, this is just really hard. It's, it's not even like, you know, cause in your head, you're like, oh, why didn't they design this trail with switchbacks? And why aren't there so many rocks? And you just start to whine in your head and you're like, shut up. <laughs> this is fun. Like this is a challenge. So after a while, like you just, you just change your perception of the challenge in front of you to something that is more of a challenge than a frustration. And it's something to be overcome rather than it's something to be, uh, despised. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a good way to look at problems in general in life. Like you can be pissed about it. Um, and for a time that may be helpful, that may be what you need to kind of like get going. But, um, if you just reframe it as like a challenge to overcome of how exciting that's going to be when you, when you, um, accomplish that goal, uh, it's, just, at least for me, it switches in my head. It's like, oh, this doesn't suck. It's just hard. <laughs> it's just something that's uh, that uh, requires more effort uh, in some way, shape, or form. And for me, like physical challenges are, are I don't know, they're my favorite thing because it's just straightforward. You get your body to do it. Like your body will listen. I've said this, I, I think, on several podcasts. Like your body will do it. It'll follow. <laughs> so I think that's why I always like the the physical challenges because once I realize, I'm like, oh, this is just a challenge. Like I can, I can do this. I can accomplish this. This is awesome. Uh, and you frame it as like something awesome to do rather than something that's dragging you down. Um, it just, it just changes your whole outlook. Uh, and that was like a fun playing with your mindset as well. It's like, well, you can look at this negatively, or you can look at this as something that will become positive. Um, and you can look at that at, in, in many different things, uh, whether it's physical challenge or something else in life. For me, it's easiest to do with physical challenge. Um, it's what I like. It's what I'm used to, I guess. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to work with that mindset of, you know, switching that perception. I try and do that at work now too, with, uh, with things that are like, like weird. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of specific things, but like something that I haven't done before that requires a lot of forethought. Um, at least for me, I mean, people who have been there a lot longer than me, that doesn't really require much effort at all. They just, they've done it a million times. They know how to do it. Um, but something that's kind of like specific or custom on a cabinet, you're just like, I don't know how to do that. I haven't done that before. I don't know how, uh, this is hard. No, it's a learning lesson in front of you. And you're being given an opportunity to learn something and an opportunity to accomplish something. Um, because that's what learning is, is challenges that are accomplished, challenges that are overcome. Um, so anyway, it's just something I kind of like kept reminding myself when I kept going to another huge, you know, medium rock size rock pile, getting pissed off of these sharp things, digging into my feet and smacking around and Anyway, that's kind of what ran through my head. I'm like, okay, let's, let's play with the brain here a little bit. Let's, uh, let's tweak what it thinks. Um, and that just became a really fun mind game for me. Um, then it was also just like I had consistently, when I was starting to get really frustrated, it was maybe, I don't know, like past halfway, um, not much further than halfway, but probably somewhere in mile. I don't, I don't really know. I wasn't keeping track at that point. 
Um, I kind of actually don't like to look at my phone that much to see uh, how far I've gone or something like that. I had to look at it to try and get a good idea of uh, when to tell my wife to pick me up. But I try and avoid it just because it's like a little surprise at the end. Um, But I I saw that I was consistently doing like 3.6 miles per hour or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, obviously four miles an hour isn't going to happen. And that's okay. Um, But because you've done over half this way, the rocks are challenging. This is challenging, whatever. But you're at 3.6 consistently. So if you can just keep going at 3.6, then you'll know your timetable. But also, like, that that's the new goal. That's the new goal is to maintain that. I don't want to ever, I don't want to ever drop below that. Um, so then it just kind of became this thing of like, when you get to a part of the trail where, uh, it's, you know, a little bit flatter, there aren't as many rocks, that kind of thing. You just try and fly through that. And just like this different game of like faster, slower, faster, slower, um, make sure you, you know, give yourself enough, uh, time to catch your breath and that kind of thing before the incline comes, you can tell it's coming. So, uh, just became kind of like another, another little game for me. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really matter whether you think like the trail should be routed differently or anything like that. You still have to hike to the end. (laughs) You still have to hike to the end to get picked up on the time you agreed on. Um, it doesn't matter if something's challenging, you can be upset, uh, but that doesn't create progress. So that was kind of my little learning lesson from that. Um, and yeah, it was, it was so trippy. I don't think I've ever hiked in fog for that long, um, it was, it was f- like socked in fog at my house the night before. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be foggy the next day. I actually missed my exit to get off the highway and park once. I had to go around because I couldn't actually see anything because how foggy it was. Um, but when you're actually hiking in that, I mean, I was hi- it probably didn't clear out until like, it was said it was supposed to clear out at like 10 a.m. I don't think it really cleared out till like 12.45, 1 o'clock. Um, yeah, that was wild. I was done at like right at 2, maybe a little after 2, 2.15 perhaps. Um, and just fog the whole way. Such a weird, like it messes with your head. Um, it was neat, neat experience. You know, you're walking in the clouds. It's kind of cool. Um, but because of that cloud, I mean, I was soaked. I was soaked within the first 30 minutes. My feet were soaked. Um, everything I was wearing was soaked. Uh, you know, I had a rain jacket with me in case it rained, but I was just like, I'm going to wait until it actually pours. Uh, but because of that, I mean, the, the ground was wet, everything was wet. Um, and then I got to a point towards the very end in the last, I don't know, like six miles that I just kind of like got tired of trying to avoid the little streams in the trail and I just walked right through them. Like my feet are soaked already. Um, so very moist feet, (laughs) very moist feet indeed, just sopping wet by the end. Uh, it was funny. I actually passed, uh, this older couple and the the older gentleman looked at me and he was like, I hope you, I hope you brought your, your waterproof boots. And he was kind of looking at my feet that look like slippers, and it just kind of was giving me this look. I'm like, they've been soaked for the last like six hours. It's, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> they'll, they'll be wet the rest of the way and we'll dry off. Uh, my wife was awesome and brought my Crocs. Um, that, that's my after hiking, after whatever activity shoe. Uh, so that was awesome to have dry feet then. Um, 
and in, in addition to that fog, I mean, being in the quiet like that, you just, you just are stuck to reflect. So it was perfect for New Year's. Um, just kind of, you know, walking. It, it's what happens to me whenever I run for an extended period of time or hike or anything like that. It's just, you go into reflection mode. Um, and that's awesome. It's it's what I've been needing for a long time. It's hard for me to really get that anymore. Um, just because I can do it a little bit when I when I run on a, on a weekly basis, but I don't really run far enough to really get there. I think you really need to run like, five miles. I don't really run more than three miles at a shot anymore. I just don't really have the time. Uh, I could make time once in a while, but I I think those, those, uh, those really reflective moments happen, happen then. Um, so it was really cool to be able to have that time, uh, you know, time, like time away from, from the daily grind as it were. And I have to force myself to do that. I can meditate and that's helpful. Um, but to force myself into a position where that's what you have to do. Um, I think I kind of talked about this with Jesse when she was on the podcast a while ago about like, that's, that's just kind of where your head goes. Uh, you reflect, you think about lots of different things that you wouldn't imagine yourself thinking about. Um, cause I mean, you're just alone with your thoughts for, you know, seven hours. Um, so everything kind of all comes out and that's a really helpful cathartic thing. I think, um, there was also a section, uh, I don't think I, I put two and two together at the time. Uh, but there was a section near Detweiler run is what it's called. It's also near the Allen Seeger natural area. Um, this is all on Roth rock state forest, by the way, in Pennsylvania, uh, for people who are not in Pennsylvania, this kind of means nothing to you. But anyway, central Pennsylvania. Um, and the Detweiler Run natural area is similar to the Alan Sager natural area in that it's lots of old growth forest. Um, so basically a section that was really untouched by logging operations um, in the earlier 1900s and late 1800s. Um, so basically, you know, there's these trees that are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, I, I would imagine they're in the 300 something year old range, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, if you look at estimates of like how old some of the oldest trees in Pennsylvania are, they always say like plus or minus 120 years. <laughs> so you're like, I'm just going to go on this, on the, on the side of like 300 cause it might be four, but it might be like three. So who knows? Um, yeah, some of the oldest trees in Pennsylvania, uh, included things like white pines, um, and hemlock trees, uh, which was really cool to see. But there was also this section that just felt like a tropical rainforest because of all the rhododendron, um, rhododendron is growing like crazy. You kind of go down into this valley, uh, that is Detweiler, uh, the Detweiler run area. Um, and so you're kind of at this, you know, little valley between mountain ridges and, um, it's very wet. There's a stream running right through it. I think it's the Standing Stone Creek, actually. I have to look that up, but I think that's what it is. Um, and you're just kind of following that stream for a while. And it's just rhododendron, 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 rhododendron. Uh, white pine, rhododendron. Hemlock. You you just can't see. It's just like steamy, tropical. I mean, it was still cold. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, tropical in that sense. But 
you're you're like I was crouched down because the rhododendron go over the trail so much. I mean, you can't see above you. You can hardly see the sky above you. You're you're crouching. I mean, I'm close to six foot tall, um, six feet tall, and I would say that I had to crouch down to at least five foot eight just to get through on this trail because of how overgrown it is. Like, I mean, it, the trail itself isn't overgrown. You can see where you're going, um, but. Yeah, there's it, it's it's just like this archway of rhododendron. It's pretty wild. Um, something was making me think that somebody was telling me rhododendron was invasive. I don't know if that's true or not. I'd have to look that up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's also cool to just go through an area that like the vegetation is that old, like hundreds of years old. It's been here that long, and you, you're just you're walking through it, and you're you're seeing something that's been here for you know, centuries, literally. And, you know, like who's walked through here before me? Um, I think there was a farm in that general area before. Um, so you kind of think of that, things like that. Um, and then, so I, I went down a rabbit hole of like trying to figure out where the oldest tree in Pennsylvania actually is. Cause something made me think I had walked on the standing stone in the Allen Sigger area because there's a point where, um, standing stone trail and the mid state trail actually connect with each other. Well, they don't connect, but they touch, um, in that Detweiler run, uh, Alan Sayer natural area. Um, and, and so it, you know, there, there's that all old growth forest in that same area. Um, but I, I think I recall there being one specific hemlock tree saying this is the old oldest hemlock tree in Pennsylvania. So then I went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what the oldest tree in Pennsylvania was. Um, I don't actually know if that's the oldest hemlock. I have to look that up. Uh, but I found out that one of the, one of, I mean, there's like, if you look it up, there's a bunch of them that they list, but one of the oldest trees in Pennsylvania, I think is a Oak of some sort. Um, and for my buddy Carl, who's going to listen to this, and now he's going to go drive past it, there's one, uh, there's a old oak tree. It's something like, I think it says something like 400 or 600 years old. Um, and it's, it's very close to where I grew up uh, in Ole, Pennsylvania. Um, and Carl, you're going to look this up. But I think it's, I think they were saying it was on Friedensburg Road, uh, where Hefner Lane connects something like that. Um, I'm trying to picture this spot in my head cause I would have driven on this road before when I was a kid. Um, but anyway, yeah, Carl, you can go look that up, <laughs> look it up and drive past it. My buddy Carl lives in that general area, so he can go, uh, go find it. Find yourself the Oak. They call it, um, Oh, they called it something religious or something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, I was looking that up and I thought that was really fascinating. So anyway, um, but something else I took away from this hike was just kind of, uh, something that I had actually been talking to my buddy Carl about. Um, he, he recently, uh, welcomed a, a little boy into the world with his wife and, um, he and I were kind of talking about kids and just kind of talking about different things that you could get frustrated by. Um, and in the moment it's really frustrating, right? But 
you kind of just have to be there in that moment because you don't really have any other choice. I mean, I guess you do. Um, but you just have to shift your perception of what you're doing. Um, so he was talking about, you know, feeding schedules and sleeping and all that different things, all that different kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, just like when you have, when you have a newborn, you don't sleep properly. Uh, when you have a baby in general, you don't sleep properly. If you have kids that are under six, you probably don't sleep properly. (laughs) It gets better as they get older, but I've heard even different people like, you know, a kid doesn't sleep right till, you know, they were six, that kind of thing. Um, but you just have to accept like, that's your new reality. Um, and that was something I think I struggled a lot with our, with our, with our first kid. Um, and I, I'm still learning that a lot. I'm not a very patient person at all. (laughs) Um, but Carl and I were talking about just like, okay, well it's really tough, but like, just accept that that's your new reality. Uh, the lack of sleep thing. Uh, and you can just kind of, you know, you can apply that to lots of different things. You know, like when I was talking about it's challenging, you know, these rocks are challenging or this, this incline or whatever. It's challenging. It's just what it is at that moment, at that moment, that's your reality, accept that reality. That's where you are, be where you are. Um, you're, you're not going to just not be there because you don't want to be the world doesn't disappear because you close your eyes. I think I've said this before as well. Um, but it, it's just like, that, that was something that he and I talked about. And then I was on this hike and it popped into my head while I was, you know, getting frustrated. It's like, this is what it is. Just the, like, you got to accept that this is what your reality is. Um, and, and you can, you can apply that mentality. I mean, it's, it's extremely important, whatever you're doing, whether you're in a challenge or not. Um, this is where you are, accept where you are, uh, and, you know, be there with that. Um, and sometimes it's a really good thing. So like, you know, pump the brakes, slow down and just really enjoy that moment. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like y- you, you're going to, you're going to be further on in your life and you're going to look back and go, those were the good old days. Well, you never know while you're living those good old days. You don't realize that that's what it is. I think I've said this before too. Um, so accept that where you are now, you know, something that might seem really challenging is actually going to be like, in the future, you'll look back and go, you know what, that was actually really cool. Um, or when things are really good, you know, I, I think it's easy to like lose sight of that. Um, again, accept where you are. This is where you are now. Uh, be there with it. Um, for all its good things, all its challenges, all its excitements, all of its terrors. Um, be there with that. Understand that. Um, especially when things are challenging, man, like learn to understand what that feels like. Uh, I think that just serves you so much better in life and also really learn to like accept when something's good. I think a lot of us don't celebrate when something is great, you know, like you get a new job and it's exciting, like go out, go out to dinner, have a couple beers, like be, be excited about that. We don't celebrate things enough anymore. I don't think, um, And that doesn't mean like, you know, participation trophy kind of concept, but it's just like, I think we live in a time where like, we're excited about something that happened, but we don't really know how to celebrate it anymore and be like, yeah, this is actually really freaking cool. Um, and get excited about it. Like, it's okay to be excited. Uh, I, I just think that's super important too. Um, so be there with that when that's happening, 
you know, um, I, I think, I think we lose sight of that kind of stuff so much because we get tied up in what we're doing. Um, that's just a, a rapid pace day to day kind of thing. Like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Okay. Now I've got to go back to the grind. Okay. Well you, you can, but just like enjoy when something's good too. Take the time when you feel like crap, let yourself feel like crap. Um, that's part of the process. You got to have the highs and the lows. You got to understand what all of them feel like. So, uh, with that, accept where you are. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast again. Uh, if you guys have been enjoying this, please share it with your friends, your family, um, your cat, your cat will enjoy it very much. I don't enjoy cats, but maybe the cat will enjoy my voice. Who knows? Maybe it only speaks to dogs. I'll be the dog whisperer. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. If you like it, share, uh, like, subscribe, all that fancy fun stuff that is the, uh, fun podcast lingo these days. Um, welcome to the new year. Enjoy yourself. Uh, work on your goals. Uh, and most importantly, have fun. Mm -hmm.